What's up, guys? It is Tuesday, November 2nd, episode 192. And today I have Lane Haber, co-founder of Connext. They are primarily focused on building layer two solutions and scalability solutions for the Ethereum blockchain. We have a very solid conversation. I think you guys will definitely enjoy that. Also, be sure to sign up for the Block Ash Insider newsletter. That's only $250 a month and you get advanced analysis, technicals, details, predictions, all kinds of stuff regarding the market. So definitely check it out if you want to stay up to date. Then be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain. Enjoy. All right, Lane, welcome to the podcast. I'm super happy to have you on. Uh, how are you doing today? Pretty well. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. Where, where are you from? Where are you based? Uh, I'm currently based in Salt Lake City, well, Park City, but it, that's in Utah, mm-hmm. stateside. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. But at the moment, um, I'm in Oakland. Okay. So have you always been in Utah slash Oakland or where'd you grow grow up? Uh, So I moved around a bit. Uh, I spent most of my time growing up in Southern California and Northern California, but my family lives in Utah now. And so I moved back during the pandemic. Just needed to be a little bit closer to outdoor activities. Gotcha. Northern California is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I grew up in Oregon, so it's, it's very similar. Um, so it must be hard to kind of leave that. Uh, yeah, it was, but Park City makes a pretty compelling case. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, anyways, tell me more about, you know, yourself and your background, you know, how did you, you know, find yourself kind of getting into this space? Um, was there anything in particular? Was it a job? Was it opportunity? Um, how did you kind of find yourself in, in crypto in this crazy world? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, the uh, Connects is actually my first foray into crypto. Mm-hmm. I started a company previously when I just left college um, and then ended up having to shut that one down and met Arjun, who's the CEO co-founder, mm-hmm. um, through some mutual friends. And I happened to be fun employed. He happened to be looking for someone to start a new project with. He sent me a few articles about crypto and I started, it just immediately clicked for me. So I just started diving in head first. Very cool. What, what yeah. kind of articles? Well, it was 2017. So they were nothing but positive tones. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, a lot of excitement about, you know, kind of the potential of mostly Ethereum and what it could do for countries without a lot of uh, infrastructure available. And I thought that I had read also an article that said that only about 50% of the world's population was on the internet and what that was going to look like for the next 50%. And I thought the confluence of these two things would be really exciting. And I wanted to be a part of it. Well, uh, do, do you still like Ethereum? Do you think it's, you know, you know, a viable blockchain? If, you know, I know probably that's the thing that got me interested in the space too. Originally was Ethereum and all the things it could do, all the things it was promising. Um, yeah. But obviously there's, so much competition out there, so much going on. Do you think that Ethereum is still like the place to go, the place to build things and explore? Or do you think, um, you know, that, that tone has shifted over, over the, the years that have passed since 2017? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, um, mm-hmm. I, I still love Ethereum. I'm still 
you know, spend most of my time there, but there's definitely a lot of other exciting chains and developments on different chains that are happening. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fun to see uh, the EVM become itself kind of like an interop solution and be like the language that, or interface that people can port over to different blockchains to attract a lot of developers. So I think that's really exciting, but I don't think that Ethereum's going anywhere anytime soon. And for me personally, as someone who builds things in the space, I like to put those things out where people may actually use them. And so far, Ethereum still has the most usage. So that's where I spend most of my time. Got it. So I know you're the co-founder of, is it Connext or? Yeah. Connext. So you guys are building solutions on top of Ethereum, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. So what are you guys looking to do exactly? What's the goal here? What's the mission? Yeah, so Connext has gone through a few different iterations from Mm -hmm. 2017. I think most projects that have been around since then have. Uh, But we always started with the same core mission, which was to bring and make this technology usable for the masses and bring it to like the everyday people who should be able to access and use it easily. Um, originally, we started with this idea of kind of being like uh, the Stripe for tokens and making a really simple API and just extracting all of the complications around interacting with a chain uh, away from developers. That very quick, that dream quickly ended with CryptoKitties when we were like, okay, even if we wanted to do this and succeeded, the chain wouldn't be able to handle it. So then we got into infrastructure and building scaling technologies. We started with state channels because that was the predominant scaling solution that was available at the time. And then the rollups came out and we realized that you would have to be able to transfer liquidity between these different siloed execution environments. So we started working on interoperability protocols, first using state channels and now using something a bit simpler. What are what are state channels? Like, what is that exactly? Yeah, so state channels, um, the, uh, in production examples, the Lightning Network on Bitcoin. But oh, okay. basically, it's a way to scale transaction throughput for blockchains by restricting, like, multi-party consensus to just consensus between two parties. So if you and I were transacting a lot, we would put our funds into a multi-sig. You put in 10, I put in 10. And then say I pay you all 10, you would be able to withdraw... 20 and I would be able to leave the channel. And that's, it's just a way to reduce the consensus from multi-party to just the two people who are interested in the transaction. Got it. So are you guys mostly focused on that and scalability in order to, like you said, bring it more to the masses or are there other things you guys want to work on as well? Yeah. So state channels, it turns out that the building a network of channels is pretty complex. So Mm -hmm. we actually, and like the main solution we wanted to solve uh, was interoperability between different rollups, and you can do that without using channels. So we just came out with a new protocol called NXTP, which stands for Non-Custodial Cross-Chain Transfer Protocol. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a mouthful, so... It's a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> the acronym also doesn't help as much as you'd like, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, that pretty much uses uh, atomic transfers to get funds from one chain to the other, and it, that ends up looking a lot simpler in production than state channels. So we mostly focus on that now. Can you explain a little bit what interoperability is? Um, some people probably don't know that term because it doesn't get thrown around enough. Um, everyone always hears about scalability, um, gas fees, you know, things like that. 
Um, but no one really talks about interoperability in a lot more detail. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, happy to. So I think there's a misconception that scalability and interoperability are, are two different things. They're really like under the same umbrella of research. Like we know that you'll be able to scale blockchains by moving to different execution environments. But the question has always been, how do you move money trustlessly and non-custodially, or maybe trust minimized? Trustless is a bit of a hot button word at the moment. Uh, but moving those assets between those different execution environments in a safe way. Um, and do, by allowing that transfer of assets and that whole interaction to become seamless, you're able to scale a lot easier. Like especially as Ethereum trans starts transitioning to a more roll-up centric roadmap, you're gonna see that this becomes more and more important. Got it. How, how do you think this can be brought to the masses a bit more. A lot of this stuff does create a lot of solutions that, you know, exist um, on Ethereum that a lot of us are familiar with, but how does it bring it more or less to the everyday person and make it easier for them to get into blockchain and crypto and start using it more often? Is it start like at an application level? Um, are there certain types of products that have to be developed? Um, how do we get to the end user? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, there's a few things that have to happen. One is you have to be able to, on an off-ramp directly to different, I'm gonna, just going to ground all my discussions mm -hmm. in Ethereum because that's where I'm most familiar, but you have sure. to be able to on an off-ramp to L2s directly so that you're not incurring the main chain fees each time you do a transaction. Because already that's like priced out the vast majority of users when you're paying like $80 to do transact. That's a problematic. Um, also, on top of that, so many of the wallets, so many of the tools that are designed to cater to the end user are designed to not be multi-chain friendly. So if I go to MetaMask, for example, and I want to use it across multiple chains, I have to be connected to the right chain in order to see where my funds are. Like if I'm connected to BSC, but all my funds are on Matic, I need to make sure that I'm aware of that. And that's just already too much confusion. And too, there's too, many, too much room for errors when we put all of the onus to knowing all of that information about the technological stack on the end user. So really you have to be able to, what I want to see is like a wallet where I just have my internet monies and it will give me a total accounting of my internet monies and I can move it as I see fit without even having to know which chain I'm on. And I think that once we have that in place, we'll be able to start developing applications that really truly do target the end user and not people who are completely crypto native and really deep in it. Yeah, there's a lot of complexities in the space, a lot of wallets, a lot of exchanges, a lot of cryptos. It's a little daunting, especially if you're trying to get into it for the first time. Like, I don't even know where to direct people to go anymore, to be honest. Um, yeah. There's just so much out there. It would be nice if you had like a universal wallet um, or some universal hub for all your crypto related stuff. It, it would make life a lot easier. Exactly. And I think that those tools haven't been developed yet because the underlying infrastructure for the different chains, those are just coming out now. And so like, you're obviously not going to have in conjunction with that, a wallet that is fully multi-chain first come out at the same time. So we'll probably see it in the next six months, I would say, but it, until then, you know, it's just too much to 
like if I wanted to show mm -hmm. my mom, she would be immediately overwhelmed. So I normally sure. just direct them to Coinbase or something because then I've had other friends, parents come ask me, they're like, oh, a wallet allowed me to create my own mnemonic and I just use the same three words over and over again. And I was like, all right, so we, we still got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> Is, is that something that you guys would want to create maybe in the future or help at least be a part of is create something that's kind of more universal, um, that's kind of super easy for anyone to use. So they just go to one place. Um, so someone's got to do it, right? Someone's got to do it for sure. I think that we're mostly focused on the interoperability part of mm -hmm. it for now, but this, it's funny, this conversation has come up like at least five times in the last two weeks for us. So I think that, you know, if somebody doesn't do it in that six month time frame, then probably we'll start doing it ourselves or start funding it or something because I agree that it's a huge problem. But yeah, because who better? If you guys are working on interoperability, you guys are the perfect people to, you know, start working on this stuff and start putting things on the table that maybe something comes together and um, into fruition. Um, just, there's just nothing really out there. I'm just surprised no one's tried pulling things together. Yeah, I know that there are some wallets that are coming out that do have this more like universal hub focus, but I just don't think that they're super well known yet. Mm -hmm. um, and I personally haven't tried anywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh, the UX on this, we completely nailed. But uh, yeah, it, it would be interesting to see it for sure. It's something that we've talked about internally for a, a bit, but we just like to keep our focus, mm -hmm. our eyes on the prize until... <laughs> We feel like that's doing well. What do you think is the best wallets in the space um, that seems to have everything from a UI perspective, super easy and laid out, um, easy to get into, easy to learn how to use, um, and that's really, really accessible? Like, do you have any in, your, in mind that you really like or you really enjoy or that you think are maybe a little bit more ahead than others? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it depends a lot on the user because there's wallets right now. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of them are developed to cater to all the different types of users of crypto. Like I know Rainbow is really, really good for people who are into NFTs because it displays those very natively. Dharma is really good for people who are just like dipping their toe into the crypto waters because it integrates directly with your bank and it gives you a lot of access to things, but it may not let you participate in all the DeFi protocols in the same way that MetaMask would, for example, like everything is compatible with MetaMask. And then you also have Argent that also has really good social recovery features. So if you're the type of person who frequently forgets their password, breaks their phone a lot, uh, Argent might be the ideal wallet for you. But I mean, in terms of just overall blanket functionality, um, and being able to access everything, I still don't think anybody has has MetaMask beat at the moment. Yeah, I think MetaMask might have the uh, the gold medal at this point because they're the only one that really works very well um, with all these different platforms. It plugs in pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but uh, someone will figure it out. Coinbase seems to be catching up to them in that aspect as well, and um, who knows? Yeah. Rabbite is another one that I, I haven't tried, but I've heard good things about. What's it called? Rabbite. Rab R Rabbite? Yeah, I believe it's R-A-B-B-Y-T-E. Like rabbit? Or... Like rabbit, a little bit like okay. rabbit, but a little different. <laughs> okay, got rabbit it. Rabbit-inspired. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. What's that one like? Um, I This is just from what I've heard. I've heard it's a much better, more catered multi-chain experience, but again, like I haven't tried it myself. I've just heard mm -hmm. very good things. So it's, it's on my to-do list. 
Got it. Yeah, it's on my to-do list. I'm putting it right down. Um, so what's what's um, the objective for Connects to Achieve? You know, finishing out the year, going into next year, do you guys have like a roadmap of things you'd like to accomplish in terms of, you know, layer T scaling or any other projects um, or anything that's public that you can share? Yeah, so we really, we launched NXCP last quarter and so far it's been more of a guarded launch. Like we are pretty much the sole liquidity providers on the platform and we wanted to do that because we knew that there were going to be a bunch of bugs and we were going to waste some money, which sure enough, check happened. Um, so opening that up to more and more routers to be able to supply uh, lots of liquidity in a secure way, I think is our main goal for throughout the end of the year and just continuing to focus on adding more routers, adding more assets and adding more chains. But that's, yeah, we're pretty laser focused on making sure that that works seamlessly for now. Got it. What do you mean adding more routers? Yeah. So how NXDP works is it, it's an atomic swap based system Mm -hmm. where if you're on optimism and you want to get to Arbitrum, I, as a router, I'm willing to accept optimism funds and I already have funds on Arbitrum. So then we, you submit a request, I place a bid, you select my bid, and then you lock up your funds on optimism. I lock mine up on Arbitrum and we swap. So then you unlock the funds on Arbitrum, I unlock on optimism. So you really are limited in this type of system in this network by who is able to supply what liquidity on which chains and in which assets. And so right now we're just doing stable coins. So USDC, USDT and DAI, but we'd love to see like obviously different types of tokens and maybe ETH and other like base assets come through and people supply liquidity for that on each chain. So the the Mm. people who are liquidity providers are the routers. Okay. Got it. Makes sense. Um, where can people go to, you know, follow and keep up with not only you, but also connects. Uh, yeah, so me, I guess Twitter is good. Uh, Lane Haber is the handle, but I'm definitely less active than the Connects mm-hmm. Twitter. Um, if you want to reach me, just p- join the Connects Discord and ping me. I will almost always be online there and we'll respond. Uh, but yeah, if you want to keep in touch with Connects, just definitely follow us on Twitter, join the Discord. We're fairly active there. Okay. Is Discord a good place to go if people want to kind of chat and, and talk and have some convos? Absolutely, yeah. The, all the team is super responsive on Discord. You'll probably get a message like from one of the founders if you go up and chit-chat there. Okay. Discord's a weird place. i got to be honest. I, every <laughs> Everyone in the crypto space has like a Discord, and it's like the wildest place for people to chit-chat about things. And every time I go in, I'm just like bombarded with like – info and people having ideas and stuff it's it's kind of cool but at the same time it's a little overwhelming yeah it can be hard to navigate for sure uh what what spaces do you use to stay on top of all the news i I just follow projects um that i've worked with in the past or that i've had on the podcast previously and i just jump in and say hi every once in a while but i don't like to stick around because you (laughs) really fall into this rabbit hole and you're just like, okay, that person, that person, I have no idea who that person is, but they have a really good point. And then you get sucked into it and you're just like, it's just never ending. I, I won't get off discord. So I try not to stay in it too long, but it's kind yeah, of fun. Absolutely. 
I mean, it's definitely fun. I feel like that's where usually if you have a project that you want to stay on top of and know things before it's public, uh, you'll find out in the Discord before anywhere else, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, anyways, Lane, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast, chit-chat a little bit, talk about what you guys are doing with Connects, talk about um, Ethereum, Layer 2, scaling. Um, fun conversation. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure.